0: Thanks for joining us for another message from Southland Church. If you'd like any information about our church, check out our website at mysouthland.com. Welcome. We're glad to have you here. Uh, last week, uh, we uh, were in uh, kind of a different format in our Back to Basics. We started talking about one of the real basics uh, of church life and of following Christ, and that is, is worship. And we took a big picture look at what worship of our Lord looks like. We saw that among many other things, uh, which would qualify as worship of him, and I said there's probably as many as there are people here, if you started to talk about how you worship the Lord, uh, there are eight actions that, are, that the Bible specifically points out to as being worshipful, and we've been kind of zeroing on in those a bit. And as you might expect, given the fact that the prayer summit is coming up this Wednesday, I thought it would be advisable to be uh, reminded of just how crucial prayer is, but let's set the table a little first. I think it's safe to say that the the starting point for all of our worship begins with two very simple words, two simple words that are sometimes difficult for us to say and, (laughs) frankly, even more difficult, perhaps, to remember. Thank you. Thank you. We're told over and over in Scripture, worship begins with thank you. Worship begins with thanksgiving and praise. Psalm 100, we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. So we enter the gates with thanksgiving. We walk across the courts with praise. Where are we headed? We're headed right into the very throne room of God. Psalm 22.3 says, God is enthroned on the praises of his people. Hebrews 12, let us be thankful and so worship God with reverence and awe. Thankfulness, awe, worship, all tied together. Because gratitude forces us to stop and look back at what God has already done for us. It forces us to take a kind of spiritual inventory, if you will, of his past acts of faithfulness, his acts of provision in our lives. And then as we look at those, we begin to worship him for who he is. Because God's activities actually are demonstrations of his character. He saves us because he's the savior. He heals us because he's the healer. He provides for us because he's the provider. It's his nature, it's his character. He counsels and gives wisdom because he is the great counselor. He gives us strength and courage because he's the comforter. The things God does helps us to discover who he is and thus provide us an opportunity to have our our faith strengthened in God, our faith strengthened in prayer. Thanksgiving reminds us of who God is. And when we remember who he is, then we welcome him. Then we just are in a place where we can welcome him once again into our circumstances, into our lives. We worship him when we come to him in prayer because we're declaring by praying, obviously, that he exists. Otherwise, there's no point, right? We are praying when we pray to him. We, we are Acknowledging that He exists. We're declaring that God, you're there. We're declaring that God, you hear what we're saying. And we're declaring, God, you handle, you can handle anything that we can bring to you. We ask boldly, we ask confidently based on who He is, fortunately not who we are, based on His character, not ours. Because God doesn't change, He's the Almighty God, and He's promised to never leave nor forsake those who sincerely come to him. The Bible's idea of prayer, though, sometimes differs uh, from ours. So let's recalibrate by looking at what the Bible says, what the Bible's idea of prayer is. Sometimes we think of prayer, and we think of what we experience. We think of a child uh, praying a passed-down prayer. We think of meeting together with other believers and and praying, and it just kind of becomes rote. Or we think of a pastor praying in front of the church, or we think of a ritual before meals or going to sleep. Some years ago now, coach of the Chicago Bears football team, Mike Ditka, was about to deliver a locker room kind of chapel pep talk to his players. He looked up and he saw one of his players, defensive tackle, William the Refrigerator Perry. He pretty much couldn't miss him. At 338 pounds, the fridge stood out even in a crowd of pro football players. Ditka gestured to the fridge and he said, when I get finished, I'd like for you to close us with... uh, by saying the Lord's Prayer. And then the coach began his talk. Meanwhile, in the back row, Jim McMahon, the brash, outspoken quarterback at the time, punched his friend John Cassis and said, look at Perry. He whispers, he doesn't know the Lord's Prayer. Sure enough, Perry sat with a look of panic on his face. His hands are in, his face is in his hands. He's sweating profusely, Everybody knows the Lord's Prayer, Cassis says back to McMahon in disbelief. After a few minutes of watching the refrigerator leaking several gallons of sweat, McMahon nudges Cassis again. I'll bet you 50 bucks Fridge doesn't, Fridge doesn't know the Lord's Prayer. As Cassis tells the story, he stops at this moment to reflect on the absurdity of it all. Here we were sitting in chapel betting 50 bucks on the Lord's Prayer. When Coach Ditka finishes his pep talk... He asks all the men to remove their caps and then he nods to the refrigerator and bows his head. It was quiet for a few long lengthy moments before the fridge spoke in a shaky voice. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Cassius felt a tap on his shoulder. It's Jim McMahon. Here's the 50 bucks I owe you, he said. I had no idea Perry knew the Lord's Prayer. (laughs) But prayer isn't just something we say by rote, is it? It isn't cute. It's not supposed to be routine or or a performance or even a tradition. The picture I want to leave you with today is that prayer is awesome. It's just awesome awesome when you think about it. How awesome that the God of the universe would create a way for us to speak to him, to have conversation with him, to bring our requests to him. The God of the universe. I mean, we could, we could have been like, you know, talk to one of my angels or, you know what, even the, don't even bother with that. Just kind of talk to each other about this. No, you get to have free access 24-7 to the God of the universe. How awesome is prayer? It's just awesome. And God changes everything through prayer. Prayer works because God hears and answers prayer. He's changed my world through prayer many, many, many times. I want to tell you about one man. His name was Buck. He had a grandson whom he loved and prayed for and told the grandson, grandson so. In fact, one day before he died... He told his grandson, I'm praying that one day you will go to church. In fact, he even names the specific church. And there you'll meet Jesus and give your heart to him. Well, the grandson is not living for the Lord. He doesn't give this much thought and continues in his godless lifestyle for years and years until much later, now married with three young children a business associate invites him and his wife to a social activity at the forenamed church, the church that his grandfather had mentioned. He doesn't even think about it. It's been so long ago, he doesn't even make that connection anymore. But out of character, and perhaps because of a need to cultivate this business association, the grandson and his wife go to the church function. They find their friendly people, people who genuinely seem to care about them, people who invited them to come back. And they did. They became regular attenders at the church along with their family. And one of their young daughters was invited to attend the church summer camp. And she accepted even though she didn't know anyone. At that summer camp through the Bible studies that they did, she came face to face with Jesus. And almost immediately, she knew she needed this Jesus in her heart. She knew she needed this Jesus to live within her and gave herself to him completely and unabashedly. So thrilled was she about this new life that she now had in Jesus. She went around the entire camp telling everyone what she had done and so many other children joined her in giving their lives to Jesus as well. So much so that they had to change the curriculum for the camp that week to be more Bible-centered and more about now that you're a believer kind of approach than that they were unbelievers. This young girl's eyes had been opened to the kingdom of God and she had walked right in. Pretty soon after returning home, the rest of her family follows suit. One by one, they yield their lives to God's reign in their hearts. And it was then, and only then, that her father, the grandson who had long before been prayed for by his grandfather Buck, remembered the prayer spoken to him long ago, now answered. But the story doesn't end here. For his daughter, the girl from the camp, realized that there were many others who needed the Savior as well. Her friends and her neighbors, the family across the street, for instance. Four children, the oldest boy she had met briefly. And she started to pray that that this boy might find the Lord and choose to live for him as well. She would write her prayers down in her daily journal for this boy long before she even knew his name. In fact, he simply listed there in her journal as the boy across the street praying for the boy across the street in her prayers. As God worked in her life, she wanted to show outwardly what had happened within, so she decided to obey the Lord and be baptized, and on a prompting from God, invited the boy across the street to come, and he did. And that night, he gave his life to the Lord and entered the kingdom that she had been praying for so long that he would find. And that boy across the street, friends, that boy, that boy is me. That boy is me. I am the result of my great, great grandfather-in-law's prayer for his grandson to know Jesus as his Savior so many years ago. I had no other connection. I was living in a cult. I can't even look back and say, well, there would have been another opportunity like that coming along because I was going to church. No. The trajectory of my life was in a completely opposite direction, and yet a prayer Tens of years before, by a great great grandfather, changed my life forever. What if he hadn't prayed? What if he had decided this grandson is hopeless? There's no point in praying. There's no point in just sort of speaking out my prayer to him. I'm telling you, folks, pray. It's awesome. Pray. Jesus walked up to a tomb. There was a man named Lazarus in there who had been dead for days. Jesus prayed and said, Lazarus, come forth. And the dead man walked again. God answers prayer. But here's the thing. You see, in our limited capacity, we tend to vote things as big and as little. Whoa, that was huge. Whoa, that wasn't such a big deal. Wasn't such a big deal, perhaps, that a a, a grandfather prayed a prayer. Oh, but wow, big deal that someone was risen from the dead. You know what? I don't think God looks at it like that at all. I think God just answers prayer. I don't think when you're when you're unlimited in your resource, when you're unlimited in your power, there is no such thing as big and little. Prayer is just awesome. It's just awesome. And today we're going to glean a few skills from Paul's short encouragement to us to pray at the end of his letter to the church at Ephesus which I hope and pray will help to transform your prayer life as it has mine. Just before this verse... Paul has painted this magnificent word picture of the armor we're to wear as part of the Lord's army, so that we might be strong in the Lord, he says, and stand against the devil's schemes. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, feet fitted with the readiness to share the gospel, taking up the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit. What a magnificent picture! And if you haven't looked at that picture lately, I just want to encourage you to go back when you get home and read Ephesians 6. But then there's this unfortunate paragraph break there in most of your Bibles. And we so often stop at that moment, like, there's the image. The image is done. The thought is finished. And we start picturing this Roman soldier with these things on, and we've left out the fact that the, the first word in the next paragraph starts with and. And, and, there's more. There's more to this. There's a strategy to be used here. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. We're going to break this down. We're going to look at it piece by piece. First, pray in the Spirit. <clears throat> if we want to transform our prayer life, what we have to learn to do is to pray in the Spirit. Well, what does that mean? Well, we looked at this same expression last week, if you recall, when we went over Jesus' words to the Samaritan woman at the well. There we were told, and there he says, God is looking for those who worship in the Spirit and in truth. And the same idea, of course, because there's consistency all through God's Word, the same idea applies here. Praying in the Spirit has nothing to do with external things. If that's the first thing that comes to your mind, don't go there. Those may be outworkings of praying in the Spirit, but praying in the Spirit, in, is a key word. It's internal. It's about having the Spirit inside of you. It means, for instance, ask for guidance from the Spirit as you begin your prayer. Ask Him, what do you want me to talk about? What, do, what should I be praying about? What do you want to speak to me about? Will you be my guide in this prayer? Be my leader? Lead me through this? Now, of course, goes was saying almost, it's kind of pointless to ask for guidance and then keep motoring on. Give me me guidance on this. And by the way, I need... If you ask for guidance in what to pray for, don't you have to stop and listen? Don't you have to stop if you're asking a question? you got to stop and listen. You've got to build time in to listen or your ask has really been just for the sake of duty. I think I need to say this, but I actually just kind of want to move on here. And I want to just kind of believe that God will answer. You know, believing is such a great... It always reminds me of this picture, uh, and I want to share it with you. This little boy wanted desperately to go to this upcoming picnic coming up, but he couldn't go now because he'd done some um, naughty behavior. And so his parents had said, ''Sorry, that negates your opportunity to go to the picnic.'' After a while, though, he repented, and he asked for forgiveness, and he changed his life around a little bit, and the parents kind of said, well, you know, in light of that now, uh, we're going to change what we said, and you can go now to the picnic after all. When they said that, he immediately broke down in tears, bawling like crazy, just on the floor beside himself, dumbfounded. They asked him, well, why are you crying? You know what he said? He said, It's too late. I've already prayed for rain. (laughs) That's believing, isn't it? Recognize at the outset that there's a guide for us in this journey of prayer on what we should talk to God about and how we should talk to him about it. Which, when you think about it, is a great thing, isn't it? I mean, we're not just called on by God to pray. He's provided us with a personal guide to take us through it. It's not just talking to God because we're out of other options. Prayer is one of the most significant things that you and I do. It's the most vital way that God has chosen to involve you and I in his actions around the world. How amazing is that? He asks us to partner with him in this. Ask for the guidance of the Spirit when you begin to pray. Secondly, then rest in the intercession of the Spirit as you pray. Do you ever try to pray and you feel like the words just aren't coming out right? It happens to me a lot. It seems like what I'm asking for I don't understand or the feelings that I have are so strong. It's just kind of broiling inside. I can't really express it like I want to. It's sometimes frustrating. In the same way, we're told, the Spirit helps us in those weaknesses. We don't know what we ought to pray for but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. I love that picture. Even those times in your life when you sit down and think, I don't know, I don't even know how to say this or how to get this across or to convey the angst to the the groaning inside of me, the Holy Spirit is there to intercede and interpret what we pray. We're told, too, that Jesus intercedes for us as well. I mean, how great is this? Jesus as well intercedes for us at the right hand of God in heaven. Romans 8.34, God is listening to us. So even if we think that wasn't a very good prayer, we're already off track, right? We've already forgotten what prayer was about. It's now about performance, about how we sounded. That's not what prayer is. When we feel frustrated and we feel like we don't know how to pray, that actually may be one of the greatest times that God works in our lives, when the Holy Spirit can actually kind of move in and take over and lead us through it. See, we need to rest in the Holy Spirit's intercession on our behalf. And praying in the Spirit also rem- uh, reminds us that we need to depend upon the power of the Spirit, not our own. But you, dear friends, must build your lives ever more strongly upon the foundation of our holy faith learning to pray in the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. Are we praying in the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit? When it comes to prayer, it's not our power. It's not our strength that we're talking about. Sometimes we'll catch ourselves saying, whoa, that person has powerful prayers. No, they don't. The Holy Spirit has the power. He's the one with the prayer power. If you're a believer, you've got the Spirit of God inside of you, helping you in your prayer life. But don't get confused ever about where that power is coming from, who it's coming from. Secondly, learn to pray at all times. So pray in the Spirit and then on all occasions. Praying at all times means we keep the lines open 24-7. You actually never should hang up on God. Thanks, God, that's all I need for now. You never put God on, oh, wait a minute, God, something more important came along. You never put God on hold. In order to keep the lines open in a constant way, we want to kind of do some of these practical things. I want to give you some practical ideas. First of all, sometimes you need to pray looking ahead to the day prayers. You can do this at night or in the morning, but you're looking ahead to the day that's coming. Those are important prayers. For instance, have you ever thought about talking to God about the trials you're going to face that day or the meetings you're going to be in that day or the, or the uh, presentation you're going to have to make that, or, or the sermon you're going to have to give that day? What about a prayer before you go? Lord, help me to handle it in the right way. Help me not to lose my patience. Help me not to be fearful. Help me to represent you well. Talking to God about it before it happens makes us incredibly aware of his presence. We have a new perspective. That's what changes. It makes a difference in our perspective. We have eyes then to see in expectation of what God's going to do. And then we begin to see him all around us. I always think of the opposite too. And I think of this little saying that's just kind of stuck in my head. It's Seven days without prayer makes one week. W-E-A-K, right? God is everywhere. Another kind of prayers are darts. We know this. We do this. That means those prayers that we just shoot up to God real fast, kind of spur of the moment, uh-oh, shoot dart prayers throughout the day. We all get into situations where we think, this one needs prayer right now. And I don't get to go find my prayer closet. I don't get to go shut the door somewhere. I don't get to go on my knees here and talk to God for a couple hours on this one. I don't have that moment or that time. I'm right here in my office. I'm right here with my kids. I'm right here in the middle of something. And you shoot up a dart, right? You can still pray about it later, but in that moment, you need to talk to God. You need to know He's there. You need to feel His presence, and you need to pray a a dart prayer right then. Just shoot up a, a real quick prayer. It can be like 15 seconds. One of the secrets to transforming your life, your prayer life, is it's okay for prayers to be short. They don't have to be long things. D.L. Moody, Dwight Moody, is one of my heroes in the faith. Sometimes i like to talk to you and talk to you about his life a little bit. But I love this about him. He's just so out there. Some people's prayers need to be cut off at both ends and set fire to in the middle. Wow. Long prayers sometimes are just ways that we use to impress God or impress others. God's a lot more impressed with a short prayer with heart behind it. You know, I need you now in this situation. Give me the words to say. Help me say the right thing. God, call my spirit now. Would you help me? And then, of course, there's the opposite. We get to pray for longer periods. We should be praying in longer periods of time. We set aside a month every year to fast and pray. But it's not limited to just that. This year alone, I can think of several times when there's been a church-wide call to fast and pray about something. And there's been some of those even amongst the staff or even in our various ministries. We can do this. We can do longer periods of prayer. An hour, once a day, an hour, once a week, an hour. We can do this. Here's the key. When you start spending more extended times with God, you have to do a little planning. You have to think about this. It's not going to just drift into your life. You're not going to suddenly go, wow, I've got an hour here. I guess I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to pray. I'm going to go and just be by myself and pray. You know what happens when you do that? After about five minutes, I'm done. I think that's everything. Huh? 55 minutes, I can go uh, do whatever, Right? You have to plan in advance. Otherwise, you're just going to be cut off somewhere. You're going to to be done too soon. Do some planning. Write down some things that you need to pray for. Some of the groups of people you're, you're praying for. Family, church, leaders, governments, world situations. Spend some time in praise. Think through what you're going to pray. Make God's word a part of that longer time. Look up some of the prayers people prayed in the Bible and just read them and and maybe pattern your own prayers after them. One of my favorites is in Colossians chapter one. If you're looking for a way to pray for people, I'd strongly recommend that you use these verses, nine to 14, and just fill in the name of the person that you're praying for by inserting their name wherever you see the word you asking that that person may be filled with all the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding and so on. It's a great prayer. It's right there for us. When you spend a longer time with God, you need to talk to him, but you also then need to listen even more so. Read a psalm and pray it back to God and listen to him. I have people coming to see me And one of the big questions, one of the big things that they're concerned about is that it feels dry. It doesn't, I don't, I'm not getting refreshed. I'm not really excited about being with God. Well, these are some ways to start. Why not just read a Psalm, read a a, a Psalm back to him and then let him speak to you as you listen. That's the way to spend a more extended time with God in prayer. It's incredibly refreshing. Pick a book of the Bible to read and just start reading it and listen as God would speak to you through it. Better yet, in my experience, think about something that God is speaking to you about in your life or that you recognize as a need. Wisdom. I need wisdom well, why not then do a word search? We have that capability now. It's so easy to just look up all the verses that have wisdom in them and then do a a study. Just work your way through all the verses, reading them, asking God to point out one that really is hitting the mark for you. And you'll grow in wisdom. I guarantee it. Talk to God about what's really going on in your heart and he will respond write down your prayers during this time. I've always found that writing it down just makes it somehow more real, more official. My, oh my goodness, if I'm putting this down on paper, I got to mean this. I got to think about this. I've got to, you know, and I've got it to look back on. It's always a good idea to have a piece of paper around when you're praying. The end result of this is usually an incredible sense of perspective again it doesn't happen in a few moments but when you spend an extended time with god it's like somehow but surely the fog in your life starts to lift a little bit and you can see things a little more clearly i've seen god do that in my life many many times and you kind of are left with this calming peaceful feeling yes god you know what I'm going through. You are in this situation. You're, you, in fact, I can see your fingerprints all over this. Thirdly, another practical thing is we need to pray in different ways. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Let's be honest. Sometimes our prayer life can become downright routine and dull. Some of you perhaps have images of this. Prayers at meals, for instance, where they were you know identical prayer is time after time, after time, after time, after time. It takes away some of the excitement. God is great. God is good. And we thank you for the food, right? <laughs> prayer is a relationship. It's communication. It's talking with God. Even the best of relationships become boring without variety. The same way, the same time, the same place, it can get a little dull and a little boring. Some people find that their mind wanders sometimes during prayer. Psychologists talk about a condition that they call mindlessness. You ever experienced mindlessness? For some, that's a problem from time to time. For others of us, it's a way of life. <laughs> We're physically present, but our minds are floating off somewhere on autopilot. I'll give you an example of this, but in order to give you this example, I need your participation. This, doesn't, this, is, this is one of those things where I absolutely have to have you, you know, join with me in this because it's a group experience, okay? So I'm gonna give you an example of this. I'm gonna ask you a question, and it's gonna take a little while, so just be patient with me, but I'll ask you a question. You answer out loud, just real quick, the right answer, okay? With me? Good, okay. The tree that grows from an acorn is called an oak. The dark vapor that rises from a fire is called smoke. The sound a frog makes is called a croak. The white of an egg is called the yolk. Weight of an egg, yolk. Friends, that's mindlessness, right? We just get caught up in it. It's like, follow the rhyme, follow the rhyme, whatever it is. It affects us from time to time, mindlessness does. I would venture to say that mindlessness is one of the biggest obstacles to prayer. Jesus says, when you pray, don't be mindless. Don't go on babbling like pagans who offer mindless prayers, vain repetition, rattling off. You see, even for disciples prayer can sometimes deteriorate into just talk. You ever have that happen? I do sometimes I start praying and pretty soon my mind wandered off about you know what else is happening today or oh yeah I got to remember to call so and so it becomes a monologue and not a conversation at all even if God's involved and sometimes he isn't I usually try and avoid this by thinking about different parts of prayer and this is this is some standard for most of us I hope adoration confession thanksgiving supplication acts right acts of prayer just Focusing on that helps me not to forget various elements of it. You spend time adoring God, just telling the Lord how much you love him. Spend time confessing. You you know, I dare say that's probably the one we most pass by real quick, if at all. Spend some time confessing, telling God you're sorry for the wrong things you've done. You spend some time saying thank you for the specific practical things that God's done in your life. And once you've done all of those three, you've placed yourself in the right standing before God to be humbly supplicating to him, which means praying specifically things for others and for yourself, your requests, if you will. I like to think that by adoring, confessing, and thanking, I've become supple. Get the connection? I've become supple enough to lean into God's will for me rather than my own, and pliable enough to be reshaped in even what I'm asking for. You might look at this list and say, is there one of these that I've been leaving out of my prayer life? Maybe I haven't been adoring God very much. Maybe for a long time I haven't confessed anything at all to Him. You might take a look at this and see some new ways to pray. Is there some area of my relationship with God that I'm ignoring? Do you ever talk to God about your temptations? Praying for spiritual protection could transform your spiritual life. When you look at the Lord's Prayer, it gives us a fresh perspective on God's glory. It starts with Hallowed be your name. Hallowed is just another way of saying you are worthy. You are worthy of my worship. Seeing God for who he is always refreshes our prayer life. When Jesus prayed the Lord's Prayer, he said you need to see God for who he really is, and you need to see yourself for who you really are. That's what worship is. He taught us to pray even for mundane things, like our daily bread. We just sang about that. The other side of this is that the surest way for your prayer life to begin to feel old and useless is to rely on yourself, self-reliance. When you start depending on yourself, your prayer doesn't seem very meaningful anymore, and it shouldn't. You've forgotten who you're depending on and what it's really all about. You might even pray in a different position just to change things up. If you don't ever pray on your knees, you might try praying on your knees. You might stand up and pray. You might close your eyes. If you close all your your eyes all the time, pray with your eyes open. There's nothing in the Bible that says you have to close your eyes. Change it up. Make it new. Make it fresh. Find some different ways to think through your prayer life. It'll revolutionize it. It'll renew it. It's incredible how some small things can make a difference. Fourth, watch your attitudes. Paul prayed, be alert, always, always, always keep on praying for all the saints. Two very important attitudes when it comes to prayer. One is the attitude of importance, and the other is the attitude of endurance importance. Paul says you need to be alert as you pray. It's like a spiritual opening of your eyes. If you walk around blindfolded, you're going to fall. If you're not alert in prayer, you're also going to fall. If you, if you don't kind of focus, you're in trouble. I love this, this story that goes back into the 60s. Bill Moyer served as press secretary for then-president Lyndon Johnson in the U.S., who often called on Bill to give thanks for the meal On one occasion, the president, who was hard of hearing, interrupts Bill in the middle of his prayer. And he just kind of shouts out, Louder, Bill! I can't hear you! You know what Moyers replied? I wasn't talking to you, Mr. President. I was praying. Isn't that great? Instead of like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I'll speak louder? No, I wasn't talking to you there's a simple key in beginning to realize effectiveness in prayer, and it's seeing its importance, that God has chosen to do his work in this world through prayer. People look at a church like Southland and think, look at what God's doing there, but he's not doing it just because we're a bunch of great people, or frankly, because we have great-looking pastors. (laughs) You weren't supposed to laugh there. God's doing it because people are praying and have been from the very beginning. It's the biggest single reason why God's at work here. Prayer is our foundation. Prayer is awesome. You have to have, secondly, an attitude of endurance. Always keep on praying. It's like a double endurance kind of thing here. Did you catch it? He could have said, keep on praying, or he could have said, always pray. No, always keep on double. We sometimes expect that God should answer the prayer immediately, or he won't answer it at all. We're like the fisherman who casts out a line one time, and if we don't pull in a fish right away, we say, ha, no fish here, let's go. When you pray, God heard your prayer the first time you prayed, so why doesn't it get answered immediately? Why are these scriptures in the Bible where God encourages endurance in prayer? Well, I believe it's because he wants to encourage our growth. He wants to encourage our endurance. He wants to encourage our faithfulness and our patience. That's why he says, persist in prayer. He's working on us. Jesus Jesus encouraged us. He said, Jesus told his disciples a parable. Why? To show them that they should always pray and never give up. Always keep on praying. We're growing in our understanding of God's will as we patiently persevere in prayer. I've looked back many times and realized that through all the questioning, I actually gained a better understanding of God than I understood before. If that prayer had just been answered like that, I would not have gone as deep with God as I did. And I've grown in character because of it. Another thing that happens when we patiently persevere in prayer is we grow in our love for the Lord. We find out that God is faithful, incredibly faithful. We begin to recognize that His timing is not our own. His timing is always better than our timing. That makes us fall in love with him all over again, that he's caring for us in that way. So what do you do when no answer comes? Well, you know what? The first thing I would say is, I hate that kind of language because honestly, I think we get an answer every single time. It might be no. Were you listening for a no or has it got to be a yes or forget it? If you got a no, that's an answer. You might have got wait. That's an answer. That's an answer. There's more coming. You know, there's that old... uh, uh, story of the woman who said she wanted to be buried with a fork, you know, why do you want to be buried with a fork? Because when I was growing up, it was always like, you know, when we finished our meal, keep your fork because dessert's coming. And so she said, I want to be buried with a fork because you know what? The better part is still coming. Dessert is coming. We, 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 we want our answers now and God in his grace and his understanding of us as we as parents totally get. No, it's good for you to wait it's good for you to wait. I love what Oswald Chambers said about this. He said, as long as we get from God everything we ask for, we never get to know him. We look at him as a blessing machine. You know, if he was writing that today, what he would say, we look at him as an ATM machine. We plug in the code, the prayer, and out comes the answer. That's the way this works. We plug in the code, God forks it over. The Apostle Paul faced this thing of unanswered prayer. I'll bet some of you are struggling with this. Why hasn't God answered? One of the greatest Christians of all time, he had prayers answered by the bundle, yet he faced this one. Why don't you answer this prayer, God? Paul's prayer was about a thorn in the flesh, some kind of ailment. We don't know what it was. He asked God for healing and it didn't come. He asked again and again and it didn't come. He may even have heard from all those people that we hear from today if we pray like that people who said, if you had more faith, Paul, it would come, or it's an unconfessed sin in your life, Paul, that's the problem, or God would heal you, Paul, if you only believed. Fortunately for us Paul didn't listen to them but he listened to the Lord and he learned some things about unanswered prayer in his life. Listen to what he says. I begged the Lord three times to take this problem away from me, but he said to me, "My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness." There are some things incredibly deep here about God's ability to be at work in our lives. His grace is sufficient. As with Paul, his grace supplies more than we need to endure, whatever it is that threatens to undo us. His grace is more sufficient than our strength. His grace is more sufficient than any advice we'll get from anyone. His grace is sufficient to carry us through whatever our unique thorn, whatever our unanswered prayer may be. Why? Because power is made perfect in weakness. It's not perfected in success. Painful thorns make us weak, but when we're weak... His strength shows instead through us. There's a special kind of prayer that helps us get a hold of this truth that we're talking about. I call it the prayer of acceptance. When you're facing a situation and you say, God, I don't even know what to pray, it seems like there's not an answer coming to this prayer. Paul prayed this prayer of acceptance. Mary, Jesus' mother, prayed this prayer of acceptance. Jesus prayed this prayer of acceptance in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, thy will be done. Not my will be done here, but yours. Yours should be done. This acceptance comes when we stop demanding of God and start depending on him instead. And finally, we're told to pray for all the saints. This talks about who you pray for. You pray for others. You pray for everyone, everything. But we're particularly encouraged throughout the New Testament to pray for other believers Why? Because God has this amazing ability to work in the lives of saints who are listening to him like nobody else. Just makes sense, doesn't it? That's why Jesus, when he visualized all the lost people in the world, he didn't say this, look, look at this field, look at this field full of of lost souls to be harvested. Look at all the lost people out there. Disciples, you need to pray that these people will be one to the Lord. That's not what he prayed. He said, pray for the laborers. Pray for the believers that they'll go out into the field to get those people because they're just standing there in the field. The field is ready. You don't need to pray that they're ready. You don't need to pray for the field. That's not the problem. The problem is believers aren't going out there to bring them in. Pray for that. God's chosen to work in this world through those who believe in him. So we need to spend a lot of time praying for believers Ourselves, frankly, who are called to do the work. That God will keep us encouraged. That God will direct us. That God will show us the right way to go and the right time to go. And that God's word will become a real part of our lives so much that it spills over into all that we say and do. There's a key word that I just said there and it occurs throughout this passage. And I want to end with it. It's the word all. Notice how often it comes up. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions, all kinds of prayer. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for all the saints. There's a lot of all there. All occasions, all kinds, always all saints. We will transform our prayer life when we move from some to all. Here I am, Lord. Take all of me, though it cost me everything, all of it. I will follow you knowing full well that as I lay it all down as I lay my life down you will refill you will you will take that which seems to be costing me much and replace it with so much more that I could never gain without you your forgiveness your fulfillment your friendship your family your freedom finally forever Thanks again for joining us for our weekend message. If you have any needs or prayer requests, please give us a call at 204-326-9020 or email prayer at myselfland.com. Once again, our phone number is 204-326-9020 and the email address is prayer at myselfland.com.